I don't. I really don't understand what it is with you and like fighting people on Twitter. Um, I don't, I haven't done it. Like, like, oh, Siakam's back. Let's go. <laughs> Never mind. No, no, it was um. What was the thing? Thing you were fighting some like random dude about the uh, the holding call on like the three yard line with the cup play. Yeah, yeah. I was just, I was just. Well, it wasn't really a fight. I was just like kind of just like. You're like, bro, bro you're an idiot. I replied to his tweet, and then he replied to mine, and I said, "Yeah, but you're an idiot." And then I, 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 I am amazed. Nice. I'm amazed how like people are like actually saying it should have been a hold. I actually, literally just saw this NFL on ESPN on Facebook. Packers uh, Packers linebacker Devondre Campbell says the third and goal holding penalty on Logan Wilson should not have been a flag. How? Yeah, he literally turned 180 degrees from the ball and it's holding. Doesn't make any. It doesn't make any any sense. It, 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 it's ridiculous. Overall, though, that that game was absolutely fantastic. I I, I thought it was. Yeah, I, I thought it was refed like. I, I thought it was refed pretty good. I mean, every playoff game has at least for the playoffs this year. Granted, we've been really lucky with the NFL playoffs. Every game has been incredible, but we really kind of like we've had some really bad officiating. Every single one of them from. Yeah. From actually more so on the Bengals side, like if you notice a lot of the games the Bengals are playing in, referees kind of sucked ass, and it's sort of been a been one yeah. of those things that like helped the Bengals every now and then. What like I was saying, I was mm-hmm. like, honestly, the Bengals aren't as good a team as everyone was saying they were. They got a lot of lucky breaks. They were outpassed, outrushed for I think all th- all three games they played outside of this one. But uh, hey, look, man, I I called this game, nailed it right on the head. I literally said both teams going to land in the low twenties. I called the under. I called. I called the spread of four and a half. I said, "Granted, if uh, if OBJ, oh, we're live now. I didn't know that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> See, the, this is the beauty of uh of podcasting. I, I go live at random points and we just talk. But I, I I literally hit this game right on the head, and I'm not going to gloat about it. But no, you just did though. Like, I know. Hit the under. Hit the spread. The my parlays were literally exceptional. If it wasn't for OBJ's uh, torn ACL, may his leg rest in peace. Um, only needed ten more yards for me to get a uh, get a nice big payout. But honestly, the game was a it was exactly what I thought it would be exciting in the first few minutes. A snoozer in the second half, and then exciting in the in the back end final two now, minutes. But, now, do I get a chance to sit here and gloat about all the bets that I've hit? Or yeah, no? please. Well, 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 you and I have been uh, having maniacs in the betting game for probably the last three <laughs> that's days. A, that's a good point. It's been it's been fun because it's something that we can talk about, and you know, we kind of you know can. Like tell each other's plays, I tell yours, you tell mine, and you tell mine, and like we see like how we do, you know. What I mean, it's it's just it's entertaining, it's fun. Um, and like, ironically, we're not bad just either. Responsible. Um, like like, like we are, we're actually like we're actually good gamblers. Like we actually make some money. We we're, like we yeah yeah we'll lose some, but like it. There are some things that like you and I could find, especially like in basketball, I'm finding that are just like too easy to bet on. Basketball. Okay, so for tonight with basketball. <laughs> The best slate I've maybe seen in quite a long time. I'm gonna hit probably every single one except Siakam's a question mark because he he left the game with a facial injury of some sort, but he's mm-hmm. back in the game. Um, and he was involved in like three of my bets, some of them straight, some of them parlays. But every other one, like I'm gonna I'm gonna hit tonight. My, my, tonight my, basketball, I'm probably gonna go seven and three. My favorite bet that I made, and I don't know how the line was this way. It was Nets my Nets plus four. So I took the spread, the money line, and I took uh, Kyrie points, and it's hit. It's part like it's like it, it was an absolute. Oh yeah, Kyrie, Kyrie points is is an easy bet for sure. Easy I bet. mean, against the Kings though, the Kings the Kings were a favorite in this game. I'm like I'm like how? Sorry, no, sorry. Hold on, it wasn't um 
The Kings were favored there. Though. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't Irving points. It was. Uh, Box. Seth, Seth, no, it was Seth Curry points. Had 23. Oh. It's 10, 10 of 16 from the field. But I was like, well, I, I was like, how are they a an underdog? Granted, they had no Durant. They had no Kyrie. But who cares, man? This seems like this is a good team, honestly. You're like, take away their star players. You still have Drummond. You still have Seth. You still have some pretty good pieces around them. Yeah, no, I, I think the Nets have a chance to do do damage when it comes to the they, they, like. It just depends. Like if they, if they get like a low a lower seed than than they should, then they might face like one of those top East teams that they kind of don't want to be in a matchup with in the first round. But if if they get enough time to gel together and play together, and I, I do like that team. I think Patty Mills, um, what's his face Simmons and. Uh, Kyrie, they know each other pretty well, and I think there's going to be some good chemistry there. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I really couldn't care less if they do well or not, but I am rooting for them. I found a fascinating betting idea that, that I've come across, and, and it's it's risky, but I want to get your opinion on this. Betting soccer, particularly now in European Champions League soccer, the odds are so good. And like it's risky because obviously games can finish one nothing, but take a team like Chelsea. All right, big, big club based out of England. They're playing uh, a smaller club out of France, Lille. Obviously, our boys at a top end can tell us more, but the the odds here are, are Chelsea plus two hundred to win, but it's like plus nine hundred for Lille to win, and then and then you can even pick a draw, which is which is kind of like right in the middle for both. The obvious play here is Chelsea; they're going to win the game, especially early on in the Champions League, where it's the best teams versus like like the worst of the best teams. That makes sense. So like yeah. I. I might be hopping in on a few of those parlays, and I'll try and see if I can include you. But I have, I have some uh, some soccer boys that might be able, might be able to give us a uh, a hand here. Will you let me know, man, because I know absolutely nothing about soccer. I've never placed a single dollar penny on soccer. I probably never will, unless you text me and be like, "Hey, I have a home run pick." But even then, um, while I do trust you, I still don't trust the sport of soccer because I know nothing about it. Yeah, um, understand. Yeah, maybe one of these days I'll I'll take you up on that. Maybe. Maybe. Probably not, if we're being real. All right, folks. Got got my coffee at the ready. I am ready to roll. It is 9-17 on a Monday. Obviously, for those of you who will be listening or podcast, it will not be Monday. It will be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Who knows? You might, might be listening to it Saturday on moving day. Get in the Welcome into the Get in the Hole podcast. Stephen McAvoy, John Mavalia here, as always, giving you everything you need in the world of golf right here on the Get in the Hole podcast. John, we're going to start it off with probably, first of all, I'm not even going to say um, the question that I have have listed here it not going to even do, um, it, it won't surmount to words how good this weekend was in the golf world. And I don't think uh, I think we, 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 this one might have been not even talking performance. I, like again, I can't even form words here. The best course on the PGA Tour, yeah. The, the, there's the Augustas and there's the the majors that always switch sites, but there's something about TBC Scottsdale and the 16th hole and the the, the excitement and just the raw the, the raw of it that kind of gets you going. And I literally sat down all all Saturday um, early afternoon before you came over, and we were sweating out basketball bets. 
just wa- just watching the live coverage from the 16th hole and enjoying every freaking second of it. There's something there's something about Scottsdale that that just kind of lights you up. Yeah, I, I will say the best thing about PGA Tour Live so far in 2022, um, with the the whole new like rebrand that they have on ESPN Plus and whatnot. Um, while we have been upset with them in the past because they for some reason won't let us watch um, the last hole of any single tournament when it's coming down to the wire. Um, I don't know if they want us to pay more money than we already are. Um, the 16th hole coverage, getting that particular hole, like 20, 24-7, or really not 24-7, but essentially you're able to watch every single thing that happens on that hole. That was prob- probably like the best possible thing that PGA Tour Live has done all season long. And I give them a lot of credit because that's all I did Saturday and Sunday. Like before we hung out, before I, I drove over to your house yesterday, I just watched. I sat there and I watched sixteen, and I didn't. I didn't even. I I checked the leaderboard on my phone, but I really didn't even keep up with any of the other holes in either action. I was just watching the leaderboard and watching sixteen. And yeah, it was, I mean, it, it was it was the most entertaining golf we've had um, in quite some time. And that's saying a lot because we've had uh, at least a good year and a half of pretty entertaining golf. Yeah, but like. Well, Let's be honest here. The, the 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 16th hole in and of itself, the ambiance of it, the style, the fact that when you look back to um, to Tiger Woods' historic um, par three ace, I think it was like I think that was like 98 or 99. There was no stadium course. The stadium didn't didn't get erected until 2010. When they were like, oh, you know what? All right, we can make a party out of this because a bunch of Arizona State frat boys were 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 rallying up, didn't give a shit about the golf, went there for the beers, went there went there to go cheer on Tiger and yell. Uh, mashed potatoes and baba buoy and whatever else could be hoping for an ace so they erected the stadium they said hey you know what we can have a concert series here so they started that up and then from there it kind of just blew up into this gigantic race and there was there was the videos every morning of people um like lining up like six in the morning before tea times three hours before tea times were even going off running and sprinting to those um to those open box seats obviously there's the box seats three quarters of of the entire uh, stadium, but then there's the the open area section, which is just literally the uh, stands with no no awnings or anything, and fans are sprinting to get to their spot. And then just like the um, the actual things that happen there, first that that's probably the um, the biggest thing. We have a top five list after we break down all of our um, our recap here of the tournament, because you know if you actually watch the tournament, there was a lot that actually happened. If you didn't watch the tournament at all and you literally watched the highlights of sixteen. There was a whole slew of things there, but there were just so many things packed into one. But we got to start off with this, talking about what happened at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. And it starts off with our friend, Scotty Scheffler, who you and I both said, I, I listened back into our show logs, our end of the year address or, or our way too early preview. We, uh, we were talking about which player on tour are we most excited to get to see get their first win. And we didn't mention Wolves out tours, but Scotty Scheffler's name was the first one that popped up. And I think for good reason. Been on tour now for three years. Hasn't gotten that win. Beat John Rahm one-on-one in match play at the Ryder Cup. So, so his name got bigger and bigger and bigger. Already played at a big program like, like Texas. And he finally got his first win in a playoff against who else? But Patrick Cantlay, probably the best golfer on the planet right now. Not named John Rahm. And yet, Sahith Thigala might have actually outshined him the entire week, considering the guy who was the Corn Ferry Tour champion in 2017, played like absolute garbage for two years on the PGA Tour, finally got his first event and a chance to be, to get to go big, 
at the Sanderson Farm at the Sanderson Farm. Lost, of course, to Sam Burns. So obviously a big name there that he lost to. Comes out as a sponsor exemption and fights tooth and nail to basically make it down to 17th, where he wound up parring the hole. Scheffler uh, birdied, and he managed to lose out by one stroke in the playoff. So I- I'm going to say this. Did Sahith Tagala arguably outshine Scotty Scheffler's first career win? It's not it's not it's not a crazy claim to make, I don't think, you know, because I mean, when you look at it, I mean, first of all, it's no surprise or I shouldn't say it's no surprise that Sahith Tagala was in the running because he had but he played well in California. Yeah. Um, I believe he played more of the Hawaii events, obviously mm-hmm. not the tournament of champions because um, he hasn't won the PGA Tour yet. But I believe he played uh, one in Hawaii and I believe he played at least two of the events in California. He played very, very well. He was in the in that top 40, top 30 range. Um, but it was just, it was, it was cool to see, see a guy like him kind of be embraced by the fans. Um, obviously, you know, Phoenix is one of those places where, uh, the fans are either going to love you or hate you. And, uh, the gala made, made sure that he was one of the guys who was loved. He didn't, he didn't take himself too seriously in, in the running for his first, uh, champion, uh, first, uh, PGA, PGA tour championship win, um, with all these guys right on his heels, some of the best players in the world right there. Um, he didn't take himself too, too seriously, uh, and he gave the crowd a show, and he uh, he he earned a fan in me for sure, and he earned a lot of fans across the country. That's 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 something that we know for sure. Um, but I do want to say congratulations to Scotty Scheffler. Um, we talked about him being a guy who obviously has all these top tens, all these top twenties, and everyone's like, "Oh, when is he going to get a win? He doesn't have a win. He shouldn't be on the Ryder Cup team. I have no brain." <laughs> um, well, there you go. He finally got his win, as if it makes a difference for how good of a player he is. He's good of a player before his win, as he is after his win, and he's going to keep getting better, and he's going to get more wins. So, congratulations to him, one of the young Americans who you're going to see who's going to be a staple of the Ryder Cup team for years and years and years to come, and hopefully. There's a couple of majors in that man's future as well. I almost feel bad for Scotty Scheffler. And, like, it, yeah, it's great you get the big win, but, like, to you, when looking back, at least this year, we've already seen a, a ton of first-time winners, Luke List, Tom Hoagie, and now Scotty Scheffler. And it almost seems unfortunate because, obviously, the big story for, for Tom Hoagie was Tom Hoagie. Like the guy came out and he beat Jordan Spieth, and it was a whole, and it was a whole big to do. Mm-hmm. There wasn't really a guy outside of probably John Rahm that that week at, at Pebble who was chasing behind and had a monster final day to squeak into the top five. For Luke List, again, it was the playoff, and it was only Luke List that that he had to worry about. Even the playoff with Hideki Matsuyama, it was Matsuyama and Henley, and nobody else was chasing. But for a guy to be a sponsor exemption, it's it's almost like when. Um, when an amateur take like, or or you or even a very early on rookie take like Will Zalatoris at the Masters, for example. Mm-hmm. Not that he outshined Matsuyama's win at the Masters uh, a few years ago, but no one expected Will Zalatoris to come out and play as well as he did and finish second. And especially with Xander Schauffele mm-hmm. chasing that whole time. And of course, mm-hmm. I think the thing, the big thing here though is that Matsuyama's win was so big for Japan, and 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 also it's the major. So mm. you're already getting the yeah. Um, so he didn't, he didn't he didn't he was outshined prior to winning because exactly. everyone, everyone was like, oh, his Altoris is on his heels. He might but, do this. He might do this. But the problem was was that Scheffler was a was a hole ahead of Tagala. Tagala was obviously they're all in that final pairing. Mm. But Scheffler had already made birdie to get into that playoff. Tagala had to make birdie in, in order to get there, and he missed for par. So 
yeah, it was like kind of cool to see Scotty Scheffler finally get that win, especially over someone like Cantlay, but he really did kind of get outshined by Thagala, who, for for all intents and purposes, you could argue probably deserved the deserved the win more, um, because of how well he played and in the, and in the position he was in, and because it's it's not as big a tournament as a major, you can kind of get away with having that that that, that outshiningness. Uh, so I, I sort of feel bad for Scotty Scheffler. He didn't really get he didn't get the win he deserved. I feel like he deserved a win that was all about him and not about somebody else who came in and basically took away the show for a whole uh, four days. Because, again, Tagala was in it for four straight days. He was yeah. at the top leaderboard on day one. He was I'm pretty sure he might have been the 36-hole leader, was right in it, in it uh, after 54 and then 72. Scheffler, I think, was like six back going into going into Saturday or like seven back. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he com- I don't think he completely stole the show, but yeah. it, it was it was I like the comparison to to um, Matsuyama and Zalatoris. I don't think it was fully that, um, and I also I also don't think he got the show fully stolen from him. Um, but it, it, regardless, it was just cool to see the, the both of those guys having success that they hadn't previously seen on the PGA Tour, um, and hopefully we see more of them in the future. Uh, especially because now uh, this elevates their status in the eyes of golfers big time, um, not just in the official world golf rankings, but just as players growing their own brand. You know, Thigala just made, made a huge I'm sure if you look at his followers prior to this week to uh, to now, um, he's probably up a couple thousand, at least a couple hundred on Twitter, Absolutely. probably a couple thousand on Instagram or whatever it is. Um, so this is huge for both of those guys, huge for golf in general. Um, but yeah, I don't think he got completely outshined, but it was definitely a little close. Close, close, uh, close call there. So let's talk about some guys who kind of surprised us and sort of and sort of disappointed us to, as well. Obviously, the betting card this week was uh, was pretty strong for all three of us. You, me, and Ben Piero, the uh, the guest star on the show. But there were a lot of guys who kind of um, dipped away and didn't really give a lot of uh, a lot of hope. But I want to start start with the guys who surprised us. And again, I, I like like obviously Thagala is the guy who, who we're going to talk about and be um, be all in on. But how about Tom Hoagie? The guy's been on fire for the last three weeks. He finished top yeah. 10 again. Keith Mitchell came out. He played really well. There were a lot of names here who you didn't really expect in a stacked field like at the Waste Management mm. to show out, and they absolutely balled. But Tom Hoagie, man, another another top 10 performance. Yeah. The guy came in 201 starts on the PGA Tour to start his career, had one runner-up, no wins, and a couple of top 10s. He has all of that and more in three weeks. Yeah. It's ludicrous how yeah, good he's no. played. He's uh he's he's coming into his own for sure, and you might be able to. Might, some people might be saying, you know, it's a little too late for that, but it really it really freaking isn't. You know, we've seen golfers win all different ages, and if 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 he makes a run at the FedEx Cup, don't be surprised um, if he's somewhere up there in the top five, top ten by the end of the year. If he keeps up how he's playing right now, who knows if that's going to happen? If I was a betting man, I would probably say he falls off a little bit, but I'm still going to root for the guy. I mean, um, like. Honestly, though, like there really is no time to to come back in the golf. Obviously, with Phil winning the uh, mm-hmm. Phil winning the winning the PGA last year, you can be fifty five years old and and still win a tournament. I'm sure if if Bernard Langer comes out on a PGA Tour event, he could at least stay with the pack for a little bit. Uh, yeah, he, he would make a cut. He could probably make the, the day, but no. still, like like you, there are guys who are much older than the rest of the fields who could still shine with the best. Stuart Sink is doing it now at 47. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's possible. Exactly. Uh, fully, fully, fully in agreement with you there. One guy who particularly surprised me was Cameron Young. Um, I've uh, lit up the Corn Ferry Tour um, the last couple of years, and now he's doing the same thing to the PGA Tour. 
this is a guy who we want to keep an eye out for, especially because me, for me and Steve um, from the New York area, this guy's also from the New York area and he's killing it right now. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be looking forward to seeing him potentially getting one of his first wins. Maybe not this season, who knows, but it looks like it's trending. Like he could pull one out by the time. Oh, the yeah. year is. Also ha- have a Billy Horschel, a huge final day shot, a shot, a final round 66 to go five under 14 under par finished top 10. Absolutely deserved it too. played really mm-hmm. well. Alex Noren as well. 14 under he kind of squeaked in at, at, at three straight rounds of 68 going in. Sorry, mm-hmm. 67 going into uh, Sunday. Pat and Kazire. It's one guy who I who I absolutely hate, and I don't know why I, I hate him. I just simply do. Matthew Fitzpatrick has been on fire the last two weeks. Finished eighth at Pebble. Finished now, I believe, ninth or tenth here. Yeah, t- tied for tenth uh, at at this course. Should should play really well coming into Riviera, but don't know why I hate him. I think it's just because his uh, I, I bet on him multiple times on on this show, and he's absolutely shot the bed. It's very but, funny you bring that up because I've also been outspoken about how I dislike Matt Matt Fitzpatrick. Matt Fitzpatrick. I don't know what it is. I don't know why we both hate the guy. For me actually, personally, you know he, I found he called it. out Bryson a couple, uh, not a couple years ago, probably last year. Um, and he he, he said some uh, some seemingly salty comments after Bryson won the U.S. Open, and uh, a little. I think he had some comments before he, he won the U.S. Open. So he he him and Bryson. Obviously, Bryson's not the most. Uh, well-liked guy among tour players, but he's not the most hated either. Um, and I, I kind of thought some of what Matthew Fitzpatrick said seemed a little bit, uh, he seemed jelly, you know, a little jelly. I'm not going to, I really hope he doesn't listen to this episode, but honestly, he has a very punchable face. Yeah, man. Like he, he <laughs> looks like, he looks like a classic British like guy in any movie. Who's just like, like a, like a, like a street, like a street, British street guy. Yeah, no, no. He 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 looks like um think of like any like teenage British movie or like think of like a Hallmark film where there's like, like the one he looks British like he's like a bully. He looks like what I think Oliver Swift would look like. <laughs> Oliver Twist. Oliver Twist. <laughs> That's what he looks like. Honestly, pretty spot on for pretty spot on for me. How about guys who disappointed us? Who give, disappointed. Give, give me a couple of guys who we thought were gonna play really well. Didn't show it. Possibly even missed the cut. There were a lot of guys, really good players, who who, who uh, missed the cut this week. Disappointed. I would have to say the uh, the first guy that comes to mind is Jordan Spieth, only because you know a lot of people, including the two of us, um, and I believe maybe even Ben, um, we had him projected pretty pretty high, doing well in this tournament. Um, but I really don't. I don't. I don't. I'm not gonna. Open, I'm not gonna look too far into this. Um, only because it's it's pretty clear that he's played a lot of events in a row and he, his schedule is pretty hectic and he's got he's just first time dad he's a new dad he's got a lot of stuff going on in his life he has a swing change that he's adjusting to and it looks like the adjustment is going pretty well so far so I think it's just I think it's a culmination of a bunch of little things combined with uh, maybe a course that um, with, with the atmosphere you, you could say that a lot of things a lot of different variables were thrown into the equation yeah. um, at this year's waste management. That might have affected him, but I really just think when it comes down to it, it's a lot of events that he's played in a row consecutively, um, and I, I, I'm not going to look too much into this. Some venture. guys, some guys who who, uh, who missed the cut here that I was a little surprised in. Daniel Berger finished one over par, barely missed the cut. Victor Hovland two over, obviously has had a lot of time in Saudi Arabia. The jet lag probably got to him a little bit. Uh, some other names, Aaron Wise, a guy who I thought was going to overpower this course, did not play well whatsoever, mm. but. How can we not be be any more disappointed in one man that 
that basically caused arguably the largest controversy this weekend that wasn't Harry Hicks taking a shirt off, but Charlie Hoffman. What happened with Charlie Hoffman that got him so livid? He took a penalty. I don't even know what hole it was on, on day two, I think it was. And he got so pissed off about taking a penalty. Next shot, took a penalty for, a, for like a, I think, readjusting his lie or, 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 or something crazy. And then he came out on uh, on Instagram and, and attacked the PGA Tour. He tagged Barstool, tagged Riggs, tagged uh, a bunch of different um, companies, including the Saudi Arabian Super Tour with Greg Norman. And he basically said, said the PGA has to be more accountable in themselves. There's no wonder why people want to jump ship. Then the next day he came out and said, oh, I love the PGA Tour. I would never leave this tour, but like I, I want them to be, to be more responsible. Obviously, it got big because Phil and Bryson both agreed two guys were on the docket as possibly wanting to join this Saudi tour. Charlie Hoffman finished nine over par. Final day on, on round four, started double bogey, bogey, and took two penalties in two, on two straight holes. So kind of got a little bit of karma. But what do you make of the Charlie Hoffman uh, debate? Um, I saw, I saw some PGA tour players that like kind of agreed with him. Um, I, I I'm not going to read too much into it, especially since I'm not super educated on the subject to be quite honest with you. But I, I do think, um, that when it comes down to it, I think he was just a little frustrated. He got carried away. Um, and he made a social media post that he probably, um, if he had to do it all over again, probably want to take back. But, uh, at the same, at the same, at the same time, um, I, I, I love hearing PGA Tour players' opinions because these are the guys who um, are have boots on the ground. They're experiencing. They're living. They're living what we're watching, and I, I, I want their input um, on how how the game can be better, how the tour can be better, um, how how golf in general can be be, be a better sport and be uh, be more, be as available as possible to the most amount of people. Um, and I, th- I think anytime a golfer voices his opinion, it's, it's something worth listening to, regardless of who it is. Absolutely. Uh, I, I totally agree. I think possibly one of the funniest memes came out, too. After he had said that, the photo he posted liking the tour was him in the waste management truck. And about 20 minutes after he posted that, Sam Ryder had probably the greatest ace you'll ever watch on 16. Which <laughs> brings me to... Probably one of my favorite topics that we'll do this year. I'm, I'm slowly trying to integrate this into the show. But just like how David Letterman d- does his top tens, we're going to do a top five, specifically the top five moments from the 16th at Scottsdale. Drum roll, please. We will get this uh, in post-edit. John, I'm going to give you the five top five things, and we'll talk about them afterwards. Coming in at number five, who else but Harry Higgs? The birdie putt on day four, and he showed us those beautiful man titties and everything that Harry Higgs had. Joel Damon also hopped in on the fun. Probably the best pairing we could ever get on tour is Harry Higgs and Joel Damon. Both went crazy. Both got shirtless. Coming in at at number four, Jason Sobel, a tweet that I saw on Saturday that I couldn't get over. There was a marriage proposal on the green, not even in the stands. Literally, two people jumped out of the stands, went to the green in between players, and someone proposed. She did, in fact, say yes, and they were promptly escorted off the property. Probably, again, one of those crazy odd moments. Number three, it isn't Sam Ryder, but it's Carlos Ortiz. Final day, big-time ace. Second one of the weekend, obviously, number one being Sam Ryder. We're going to get to him real quick. But Carlos Ortiz, first career ace at 30 years old comes at Scottsdale on the biggest stage on round four. 
probably at the most belligerent time too. Everyone was absolutely destroyed that day. <laughs> the number two top thing that happened at Scottsdale, of course, Sam Ryder's ace jumping into his caddy's arms and going absolutely crazy. The number one thing that happened on the 16th hole at TPC Scottsdale, again, drum roll, please. It doesn't matter the aces that happened. It's what happened after the aces is what mattered. Go back and watch the video. The beer throwing, the flinging of bodies, and just the overall excitement. We're going to need a video like on YouTube to describe how, how, how insane it was. The Thunderbirds, the um, the official uh, groundskeeping crew, and all the volunteers of the Voice of Management Phoenix Open cleaning up beer cans, mounds and mounds of beer cans in only three minutes in order to get play going again. Happened multiple times. Beer cans are being thrown. Players ch- players chugging beers with with uh, with fans. Women are flashing themselves on on sixteen after these aces. It was absolute bedlam. That is the number one thing to happen at the sixteenth at Scottsdale this weekend. John, now, now. Steve, uh, remember when I said I have a surprise for you? Yes. I'm gonna get to that in a second. Big big <laughs> surprise, everybody. Big big surprise. Right. Um, but I will say is I saw I saw number five and number three um, live, which was um, let, me, let me pull it up again. Harry Higgs. I saw that live. That was just freaking crazy. Um, and they kind of kept it low key because they were like they walked up to the they hit their shots. They walked up to the green. Harry Higgs threw it the double birds to the crowd as he's walking up to the green, and then, the, and then the camera like panned away from them <laughs> and panned to like uh, Gardner Minshew. Um, like a couple days ago, and then oh, yeah. something like that, and then they 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 walk through the they read the putt. Everything's chill. Everything's chill. Um, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Higgs got a bogey or, or something, or maybe he saves par if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the, they they acted so calm, and then Higgs made his putt, and then that's and that's just when it all hell broke loose. Yes, sir. <laughs> that's when all hell broke loose. I just need see. We need a video of you doing that on the course. Um, um, in this in this weather, in this weather, you know what? Well, hold on. First of all, it was eighty four degrees in Scottsdale, so, so I, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to do it now. But I promise you, at some point this summer, we're gonna make, we're we're gonna film something, and I'll do that if I happen to if I happen to land on the green for birdie or eagle, and I'm and I'm putting for it. If I hit it, I'll yeah. do it. I love it. I love it. I, I we we'll, 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 we'll maybe we see if we can get a, a cameraman to film that. You know what I mean? Because that's make it happen. That and we we get side by side of you and Harry Higgs, you know who did it better type of thing. Um, but the I, marriage, I, mean, I, what? I, think we, I, I think we do sort of look alike. I think I think agree. I think he should be what you want to be when you grow up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I think I, he is I, what you want to be when you grow up. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be 35 years old aspiring to be Harry Higgs. <laughs> My God. Uh, but the marriage proposal, I thought that was a joke tweet, and then I guess I did because I didn't see a video. There wasn't there wasn't a bit. Do you see a video about it? No, there, there was no. Video. I would love to see the video because that's just like, crazy. Like it, it was one of those like split second things, according to Jason Sobel. So unfortunately, no one can get a video of it. But who knows? Yeah. Um, All right, John. What's the surprise? I want to hear it. The surprise. I might. I might. I might. I might keep it in the in the bag. Are we going to talk about the sixteenth hole in general? Uh, no, this is this, this is sort of our uh, talking point about the sixteenth. Oh well, okay. Well, if you want, we could save it. You know what? Let's save it to the other side of the uh, the break here. Ooh. We're gonna take a short break, and when we come back, John will give me his big surprise, which I kind of think I know 
what's already coming. We're going to talk everything about the next big tournament, probably one of the best structures of golf you're going to see anytime on the PGA Tour. We're going to the California Hollywood sign from Scottsdale to Hollywood, the Riviera Country Club for the Genesis Invitational. Do not go anywhere. Stephen McAvoy, John Avelia here for the Get in the Hole podcast. Yes, sir. The Get in the Hole podcast is sponsored by Tomahawk Shades, the best eyewear in the game. Tomahawk Shades is making sure that when you tee off on hole number one, your eyes are well protected from the sun as soon as you hit hole 18. Tomahawk Shades founded by two brothers on Long Island to make sure that you're getting a quality product for an affordable price and not spending an entire two weeks paycheck on one pair of sunglasses and you're looking styling and profiling on the golf course. And say you're at home watching the PGA Tour, they got the blue light plus glasses to protect your eyes from those violent blue lights that come from your TV. Go to TomahawkShades.com right now, fill up your cart for the golf season, get the sunglasses, the blue light plus glasses, and anything else you need while you're out on the course so that you look the best and you can live up to the look good, feel good, play good moniker that we live by here in the underground. And when you go to check out, Use our code USP for 25% off your order at TomahawkShades.com, and all orders qualify for free domestic shipping. That's TomahawkShades.com, promo code USP for 25% off your order, and all orders qualify for free domestic shipping. Big thank you to Tomahawk Shades for sponsoring the Get in the Hole podcast. The Get in the Hole podcast is also sponsored by our friends at Stateside Urban Craft Vodka. That's right. Stateside Vodka is the official vodka of the Get in the Hole podcast. Guys, they're headquartered in Old Kensington, Philadelphia. They're right in our backyard. They are seven times distilled, certified gluten-free. And get this, Stateside Vodka is blended with electrolytes, making it the first vodka on the market blended with electrolytes on the same mineral composition found in that sports drink that starts with a G, and it's the first actively hydrating vodka on the market. They've also won awards for best packaging in the world. Who doesn't love a winner? And as you guys are listening to this, Stateside Vodka has got you ready for the summer. They just released the vodka sodas in the cans. They are in the vodka soda game. Stateside Vodka is taking things to the next level with their vodka soda variety pack. It's easily the drink of the summer. So go to statesidevodka.com right now. Get the vodka sodas. Get your vodka. They even have the bourbon in stock. And when they do, you don't want to miss out on that. It is very limited. So get your hands on everything that Stateside has to offer. And when you go to checkout, make sure you have those one liter bottles in your cart so you can help us out, pay some bills, Use our code USP to get 10% off the one liter bottles of vodka at statesidevodka.com. Must be 21 or older to purchase. And of course, guys, as always, please drink responsibly. Welcome back into the Get the Whole Podcast. Stephen McAvoy, John Mavalia here. We're going to talk all things Riviera Country Club. I got a lot of info. I'm infatuated with this golf course out in the beautiful Hollywood Hills. But first, John, you have a surprise for me. I do have a surprise, Let's my talk. man. Let's talk, Steve-O. So, this weekend, actually yesterday specifically, we're hanging out watching the Super Bowl, your family plus me, and I'm at this point, I'm kind of a part of the family, you know. 
You're my, yeah. you're my, you're my big brother. You know what I mean? Aww, by, like, Johnny. by like two months. Um, <laughs> so we're hanging out. Um, and then you made this claim. You were like, the 16th hole is like the best thing that ever happened to golf. I love how rowdy the fans are. I love all the beer. I love everything about it. Okay. And I was like, I was like, hold up, wait a minute. Isn't that like the opposite of what you said in the state of the tour address episode when we had this big disagreement and debate when I said the exact opposite thing? And then you were like, no, no, I think that's bad. And I was like, no, no, I think that's good. Isn't that how that went? No, I'm pretty sure the way it went was we were talking about specifically. Well, we were talking about I, I don't even know what it was, but we, but we want to get getting into Bryson and the whole Brooks Bryson debate. And I mentioned that I don't like when when fans heckle players and it gets to their head and it ruins their game. I think what's happening at Scottsdale, I think it's totally great because no players are, are getting their mojo messed up. They, if anything, they're actually taking in the love. And really, it, it, it's less about, about players players being hated on, but it's about fans being rowdy and excited for what's happening and wanting the players to do well instead of uh, denouncing them. I see. I see. Well, I know in the past I've given you the nickname Stephen McAfraud. And I didn't even mean to give you that nickname. It just, it just, it just stuck. And you've owned up to it. You've been a good sport about yeah, it. Yeah. Hey, look. Um, you know what? I'm gonna wear. It, I'm gonna wear it now. Now as a badge of honor. You wear it. Yeah. You wear it with pride, and, and you're good at that shit. You really are. You're good at that. And and on top of that, you're probably the the most knowledgeable sports person I know. Like you know the most about sports of any person that I know. All right. But on quit, this quit, fucking, quit fucking buttering me up. We'll I'm laying it on. I, I'm, I'm hitting. I'm hitting you with the sweet, and now I'm hitting you with the sour. Okay. So we're gonna roll the tape. We're rolling the tape oh, right wow. back of the inaugural State of the Tour address episode forty four oh three timestamp. Go. It changed. Another thing too that I really don't don't appreciate with the tour is I really like the way how years ago golf really become a gentleman's game. Uh, but as of late, and this, this goes back to the whole Bryson Bryson thing, a lot of fans are getting really like, rowdy. You're seeing a lot more fans getting thrown out for belligerency when they're drunk or, uh, or cursing at players or whatever it happens to be. Uh, we just got to clean up all our acts here. It, it's still golf. It's still something that's supposed to be respected and, and appreciated. Um, no need for, for all this ridiculousness. Save it, save it for football, and you're going to have all-out brawls at, at games. That's my thing. Now. Okay. I got, I got one more, I got one more time stamp. Well, well, hold on, real fast. Can I actually um, address this? So go ahead, you address it, and I'm gonna roll forty eight fifty three when you're done. So I think actually, looking back on it, I should have explained it a little better because yes, I do think that golf itself is a a gentleman's game, and it's always kind of been that like white collar sport. Uh, but at the same time, though, with the pandemic and the way that golf has now grown to younger audiences, especially like us and Younger fans now go to tournaments. There is a lot more rowdiness. Like it's just it's natural that the wave of older fans are sort of are sort are sorry starting to fade, and now younger fans are kind of coming into the fold. And naturally, we we bring on a more rowdy um, tone, and it's going to be a never ending cycle. But th- there's a borderline between getting getting drunk and belligerent. Which look, if you can, if you if you can control yourself, totally fine. Which like and look, I, I was in a fraternity for four years. I know guys who couldn't hold their beer or. Or liquor. So first of all, you got to be you got to be able able to control yourself. You're in a public setting. You're around places that there are kids, there are older adults. People will look at you differently the way you act. But at the same time, it, the, my point was more so to the idea of fans getting so drunk, 
flinging beers at players, yelling profanities at players specifically, and more so being hecklers than they are simple fans. And I think Scottsdale's a little different. Yeah, they are they are throwing beer on the course, but it's an excitement of an ace. And and no one really gives a shit at that point. Everyone's going crazy. So that stuff I get. But it's when you had fans cursing at Bryson and chanting things at, at him. And yeah, the, yeah, they would get thrown out mostly because Bryson's a little bitch. But at the same time, it got in his head and he wasn't able to play well. And it showed in his results for the last seven or eight weeks, seven or eight, eight weeks of the year, albeit at the BMW. So I think that's kind of where the line gets drawn. I, I do agree with you there. And that, and that's that's the point that I was making in that episode. It's like, yeah, there's a, there's a point when it crosses the line, when it, you're interfering with specifically – my point was about a player's uh, pre-shot routine uh, yes. backswing and then like, oh, they're setting Absolutely. up the ball and whatnot. Um, but I, that's that's the thing. That Scottsdale is a really fine line because like you want to have that like excitement and rowdiness, but you're not going to be able to have that without those people who are like like the idiots who are like cursing at that, yeah, like, making getting personal. Like they're 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 shouting personal things at the at, at the athletes or the players, um, and, and they're they're doing things that would be conduct unbecoming of a, of a, of a guest. They're really guests at, even yeah, though they're paid, you know, they're guests. They, at they aren't yelling like rude things at players. They're, they're, they're really not. Well, there, there were some cool. instances on 16 where, where hot mics picked up, you know, like fans saying some stuff yeah, that uh, might, yeah, you might not have wanted to hear if you're a player, but, but most, some, some of the times like the, the jeering that goes on, it's like, it's all in good fun. Like the booze, the like take your shirt off you know like the like we love the we love the all black fit today or like whatever you know the the chirping is there's nothing wrong with chirping but when it gets when it gets like too personal and vulgar that's when obviously we both have a problem with it the 16th um, though also like but like guys play into it like patrick reed would go out there and obviously everyone boos him because he he's america's villain yeah. and 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 he, he he'd make his birdie putt and everyone would boo and he and he he give them the silencer like, <laughs> like oh hey shut up i did this yeah, so like, yeah. Or, um or the uh the big dick rick chance obviously everyone yeah. quieted down when he was there he was like yo come on let's go get rowdy so yeah. like but i think the players play into it and they enjoy that mm. but again it, it's different in the bryson situation where where obviously it didn't happen at scottsdale but how there there are instances where you get jeered and it's personal attacks and, mm-hmm. and things that 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 get into your head. Yeah, no, I I, I I'm I'm with you there. I, I we're in agreement on there. And I'm gonna roll one more clip here. We'll it's forty eight fifty three, same episode. Roll it. And then I want the fans at the go to the events. I want them to be as rowdy as possible. I want them to be throwing beers across the tee box. I want them. I want them. I want them to be to be rioting on the eighteenth after the guy that they want to win loses. That's what I want. I think it's one thing to do it at the Ryder Cup and show show uh, nationalistic pride, but to be doing that at, at even, like, people were doing it at the Barbasol Championship where no one was even in the field. Like, like who cares? <laughs> well, hold on. Bruce Koepka, Bruce Koepka did go out and say that he hated it when at the PGA Championship people were crowding him and Phil. So, like, the players don't... Like, Here's the thing. On a- uh, the one thing I will say about that, Brooks Kepka, like I, I, I get that point. That's per- that's a personal thing, and I understand why he would be upset. But that's a minority opinion. Most of the players, I wouldn't say it's a, a crazy high amount. I would maybe put it in the, somewhere in the seventies. I would say seventy percent um, think that the stuff that like kind of went on at Scottsdale is, is good for the game, and it's something that they'll 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 take um, if they'll take. That if it means maybe that they get a little bit more distracted, you know, it's kind of yeah. a fun thing. Um, but go ahead, continue. 
No, no, no. That, that, that was just that was just my point. I think that like, like I think like riots on eighteen and like like guys going crazy and like it comes down really to the security detail. Like obviously the the iconic uh, video of Tiger on eighteen at Augusta in twenty nineteen, but also that's kind of a it's Augusta. The the security is there. Not yeah. it might not necessarily be at Kiowa, even though it's a major. It's still not as as big as Augusta, and also it's the people people there who who own the course who want to make sure it's uh as safe as possible. So yeah. I think that like there there's 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 levels to it. I think. Yeah. No, there are there are. I mean, the, the overall the the most important large point that I wanted to make when we were talking about it, it was like the fan the fans should chill was like the point that you made. My my overall point on that um, was that it's the I it's mainly isolated instances where the players are are be, being like heckled or it's actually impeding on their ability to perform very, very few and far between does occur. Um, and I am in agreement with you that that, that, that should not happen. And I think most people would be in agreement that it shouldn't happen. Um, but at the same time that some, sometimes you have to let that stuff happen um, in order to have that, the rest of that excitement that's good and that we all like, and that we saw this weekend occur because golf is a sport that's for the last decade, being honest, has struggled to gain fans. Yeah. And up until up until up until like the COVID outbreak, you know, we really didn't see any sort of boom like we've had, you know, and it's lucky for us as golf fans and for the sport. Um, but it was really only viewed as like a white collar sport only for a specific demographic yeah. um, until the COVID outbreak really happened, you know. And I just think um, the last thing you want to do is start telling fans, hey, you have to do this, you, you know, telling fans what to do, because then that's that's basically what. The MLB does, the NFL does, you know, when you start telling fans what to do, they're not going to like it, especially after you just gained a bunch of new fans. You're going to be turning off the new ones and the future fans when you start telling them what to do, because they're liking this new aspect of of golf that we hadn't seen uh, in the past. And while fans may need to chill, um, you really, really want um, you really want the game to grow more than you want the fans to not impede on a player's performance. And while I don't, I, I'm not saying that, you know, we should, we should be, you know, like tackling players and I, yeah. I would never do that. I'll get a little rowdy, you know, I would have a couple drinks, but I would never, you know, shout any mean things at any player. Um, the only, the only thing that I will say that matters is if a player complains, you know, when players start complaining, then that's um, something that you have to take into account. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and you know what? I think, how about this kind of as a, um, a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a uh, a resolution here. Mm-hmm. Be rowdy, totally fine. Yeah. Should you fling beers on the course? Probably only at Scottsdale. <laughs> How about though we make a more of an emphasis to have certain holes across the country, certain holes on golf courses? I think Augusta is is the one place where you can't do it because it's Augusta. Yeah. But you go to Riviera this week. You go yeah. wherever. You just have like it's got to be a par three, but you yeah. just say, "Hey, this is like our party hole. This, this is, is the whole our hole yeah. to just go and have fun." Yeah, because because look at the end of the day, five hundred thousand people go to mm-hmm. go to the sixteenth. Mm-hmm. There's only twenty thousand seats. Yeah, people want to go there, and they don't even care about the golf. Uh, care about the golf. The joke is, it isn't the waste management open; it's the wasted management open. Guys go there. They don't even know who's who's golfing. No one knows who Sam Ryder is. No one yeah. knows who Harry Higgs is. No one knows who some some people there probably don't even know who Jordan Spieth is. 
Yeah, okay. I, w- I would say I would say most people do know, but you're right. Like that, the, like I was just saying that that casual common fan, they might exactly. not know, but that might be the that might be the thing that gets them into it and be like, oh, okay, maybe I want to start following these players. Golf is actually kind of cool. Hey, Liberty National, when you and I went, that I think is the 14th hole, the par three, overlooking mm-hmm. the Sound, the, uh, the the East River. You could see the Statue of Liberty and the Freedom yes, Tower. Yes, yes. That right there, perfect hole, perfect the perfect design concept. Riviera, I think the sixth is a really mm-hmm. popular one that you could do. There are so many different holes that you can do, especially in par threes in the golf world, or even mm-hmm. like drivable par fours. Yeah, that would be exciting too. You can uh-huh. like the way the Ryder Cup is set up is perfect because because there, there stands everywhere. But there's always going to be that one hole that I think we should now make and try and make more Scottsdale's at, out of this. Find more places to go and have fun, and you can make that one hole that everyone wants to go to. I think that, that's really cool. That's a, that's actually a fantastic idea, and and. The logistics of it might be a little bit difficult. You know, yeah. obviously the PGA Tour is barely competent um, at implementing basic things exactly. that we want as fans. Um, so it might be a little bit too much to ask. But in a perfect world, yeah, I, I would I would love that. I think the players would accept that knowing that, okay, this hole um, is going to be a little bit rowdy, but all the other holes are going to be um, the – what I'm used to 90, 99% of the time. Um, and all I, all I got to do is, you know, maybe, maybe take a breather on this hole, um, enjoy the atmosphere, enjoy the fans. Cause at the end of the day, this is what's good for the sport. And I just get through this one hole and then I focus on the rest of my round. Par three, seventh at Pebble stadium hole. <laughs> Electric. How's that going to happen? Electric. I don't know how the hell you do it. Do it. Anyways, <laughs> Riviera country club folks, we are heading there for the biggest leg of the PGA Tour season yet stacked field 10 of 10 of the top 10 golfers in the official world golf rankings will be teeing it up. One guy though, who won't be Bryson DeChambeau came out with a statement here as I pull it up on my Instagram. There's been a lot of debate with Bryson DeChambeau before we get into our breakdown of the course here, but there's been a lot of topics topic with Bryson talking about his possible involvement in the Saudi tour possibility of him going there for upwards of, of $135 million came out with a statement following a a leave at the Saudi International due to an injury. He's been rehabbing. This is what he said. I'm very disappointed to be missing the Genesis Invitational this week as one of my favorite golf golf courses on tour. I'm currently in the process of rehabbing a hip and hand injury, which I'm making positive progress on day by day. There are many false reports going around by the media that, that are completely inaccurate. Any news regarding my health or playing schedule will come directly from my team and my team only. This is just another inaccurate report. I look forward to getting healthy and seeing everyone soon. So obviously the the news has come out that Bryson's been battling an injury, but also there's been debates that he is holding out on certain events because he wants to play on the Saudi tour. There's also concerns that people are, are spreading rumors concerning his, um, his deposition against the PGA and how he doesn't like certain things and how, again, he's, he's agreeing with a Charlie Hoffman uh, message. What do we think about this before we get into our, uh, our Riviera breakdown? Yeah, it's a great it's a great question to bring up because especially at a t- pivotal time like this, when you can kind of see that you know maybe one of these tours might have a couple of competitive advantages um, that the other doesn't, specifically the Saudi tour over the PGA tour, um, being the reason why we've had so much talk lately and buzz around um, potentially a lot of these players choosing one over the other or 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 playing more so on one than the other. Um, uh, for Bryson, I think, I think he's, he's an easy target, you know, easy, easy guy to like put a target on his back and say, Oh, this guy said this, this guy, you know, and, and he, we oh, say, that, 
Yeah, yeah, he always has been. And we say, oh, he brings a lot of that upon himself. But really, this he didn't bring upon himself. I didn't see any anything that he said. Um, you Maybe you you saw otherwise, Steve, but I didn't see him say that he was done with the PGA Tour. I didn't see any of these claims anywhere on social media, from a quote from Bryson, where he said any of the things that people alleged that he said. Um, but yeah, I just, I just think it's the media trying to trying to clickbait, get some clicks. And it's, it's a shame that they're doing that. Um, I, I, I wish that that wasn't the case. Um, but yeah, Bryson's simply just an easy target. Um, and he's, he's a guy who is just different. He's different. He's not, I think he's pretty likable in my opinion. Um, I think the reason people don't like him is just because he's different. He's, he's sort of a cerebral guy. Um, he, he's not, a, not the best people person that you would think of. Um, but, but when it comes down to it, I think he cares about the sport. He cares, he cares about, uh, a, a lot of things that he should care about. Um, and I think people don't give him enough credit for that. All right, Johnny boy, take over the host seat here. We're going to break down the, break down Riviera. I am obsessed with this golf course and this is why I'm going to give, give you the host seat here. Take it away. Ask me the questions for, for <laughs> once. I, I want to talk all about this freaking golf course. This is also because I didn't do any of my research. So Steve is, doing me, yes, a, but Steve but, is doing me a favor right now. But no, no one had to know that, but you bought it up. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you know, I, I got I to be honest with the viewers. You got to be honest. At, at the very least, give them the basics and then ask me the specifics. Let's get into it. All right, all right. So we got, obviously, Riviera coming up this week, Steve. I know you did your research. You got a lot of holes you're excited about. I'm pretty sure you might be excited about every single damn hole in this golf course. Yes. So let's get into it. Lay it out for me. What are we looking at when it comes to holes 1 through 18? Okay, so first of all, gotta, got you, you got to break down this uh, basic stuff. Par 71, 7,300 yards. Oh, 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 I didn't know you. I thought we were doing that later. I thought we were doing no, that no, later. No, no, no. No, you're all good. Do you want to take that from me? Yeah, yeah, I got it, I got it. I got it. Yeah. So the crash is Paul Hanna. The it's par 71, 7,300 yards. Uh, the designed by Mr. George Thomas and Mr. William Bell. Um, weather conditions are as follows. Um, it's going to be uh, in, the, in the mid 70s on Thursday through Saturday, and on Sunday it's going to dip down to 60. Um, and that's that's all we got. Sun all around on all the days. Let me tell you this: every hole I'm excited for. I'm going to start off off with my keys to winning this course because I think this is the most important thing to look at. And for the first time ever, I will not mention Strohskin approach in this episode. <laughs> no way! I know it's crazy. Something that something that that amazes me about Riviera is that first of all, one of the oldest courses on tour was designed a billion years ago. You you, you look at the course and it isn't like sexy like Scottsdale, but mm. it's historic. It reminds me a lot of the Olympia Club in Washington. A very challenging course, not very long, but it plays longer than it seems. A lot of up a lot of uphill uphill climbs for a lot of these holes, split fairways with a lot of hazards up down. The hazards and, and the grass are penalizing as shit. Got to hit it straight, got to hit it uh, got to hit it well. Around the greens is really important here. There's a lot of guys. Actually, Riviera was the number 1 ranked course over the last seven years with the most three putts. It's a it's a wild stat. Wow. Daniel Berger makes up for most of them, but regardless, this, <laughs> this course is a killer for bad putting. And, and a lot of it comes down to the Poa grass. Here, here's your botany lesson. Poa gets really bumpy in the afternoon, so guys in the later groups tend to really kind of blow up. And the problem is, is that I think the, the lowest score we've seen to par since 2000 was like 17 under. We usually see guys hovering like the, like the 12 under, 13, 14 range. So you don't need a hot putter to win here. So really the strokes game putting isn't big. 
If anything, it's making pars because the idea that you're going to make a lot of birdies here, especially in the late afternoon on Sunday in the final group, when everyone's battered the course, POA is not good for playing late in the day. So I'm going to be looking at guys earlier this week who play well. So not stroking putting, but the idea to make pars. Three-putt avoidance or two-putt avoidance really is going to be a, a big thing here, something to kind of look at. But it isn't Strohskin approach that we care about. It's Strohskin ball striking. Now, I haven't really explained ball striking very much because it's, it's sort of a, not a uh, enunciated stat, but it brings in kind of everything together. It's Strohskin uh, off the tee. It's Strohskin approach. It's Strohskin on long par fours and par fives. So you talk about like par four scoring from 400 to 500 yards or par five from five, 500 to 600, whatever it is. It kind of encompasses everything. It's sort of, it's basically your tee to green metric minus the putting. So this course challenges everybody. And there's been a wide variety of winners, but a lot of guys are former Masters champions. 10 out of the last 20 winners have won at Augusta, including Adam Scott, Bubba Watson, Dustin Johnson, 2017. Uh, when Max Homa won here last year, it was a very um, very similar course to what we're seeing now. Needed to play really well around the greens. Strokeskin scrambling is important. But again, that around the green and off the tee are two things I'm looking for. Those get factored in to your ball striking. Winners at this course average almost 8.3 or more strokes gained ball striking this week. And it's been a huge, huge helper. And again, making pars is going to be a big thing. The other stat that I'm looking at that I find that that's going to be really important is actually going to be something that that you don't really ever talk about on the PGA Tour. And it's something that kind of gets uh, overlooked when you look at the idea of strokes gain off the tee. And it's driving accuracy. A lot of really tight fairways here. And some of the greens are actually wide open, um, especially on the like par threes and par fours. But it's the fairways that 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 if you wind up somewhere in the rough, I'm going to talk about this in a bit, it's so penalizing because because your next shot is going to be two, three clubs up. And the odds of you finding a bunker are immense at this course. So let's get into that. Hole by hole, I'm not going to break down every single one, but... There really isn't any gettable holes here. It's like, it, it seems like it's a, you, you, there's always that, that, that course where there's like six holes that you can really pl- kind of play well on or guys, guys statistically play well on the back nine. No one plays well on this golf course. There are literally, as I look here, there are, hold on. There are four gettable holes and two of them aren't even really that gettable. The par four third and the par three fourth. The back to back holes third and fourth. The first hole, very much downhill. Big boppers are going to hit it really far. Split fairway over a road. If you can get it over the road, that's great. You'll have a wedge into the green, but guarded by bunkers everywhere. A bad shot A bad shot into the rough. Pin, t- pin location for two days is going to be right next to that bunker. So odds of guys finding that bunker are going to be huge. So the first hole is going to be a challenge. Second hole, very long par, par four. Very hard, to, very hard to get there necessarily in two. Guys are going to be laying up for a third over par there again. First hole, also par five. Very important to note. Par par four third. Pretty simple, straightforward hole. Probably the easiest one on the course. Par three fourth. There's no... There's a... It's kind of crazy how how you look at this, but it's a... a, It's a a long par three. There's no bunkers. About 220 yards. Slopes really hard down to the left. Gigantic green. Problem is, you're you're most likely going to be... uh, pin hunting at locations at the bottom of that green or the top of the green where you really aren't going to be, be able to even find a good placement for the ball. So those are the those are the only two really easier holes. After that, it starts to really go downhill. The par 3-6, probably the most historic hole on the course, 
200 yards is like a zit bunker right in the middle of the green. There's only one other course that's similar to that, and it's a, and, and it's over at TBC San Antonio um, on, 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 I believe, the 17th hole. So very iconic look to that uh, to that hole specifically. Uh, the par 4 10th, and this is actually going to kind of wind back here. From the 7th to the 12th holes, if guys make par throughout, you're lucky. The par, the par 4 7th, 8th, par 4, par 5 9th, and the 10th. Probably the hardest stretch of golf on this course. Super narrow fairways, split fairways. You're going to have greens that are minuscule in comparison to everywhere else on tour. Par the, the par three, par, par four tenths, 315 yards, drivable. There's bunkers everywhere. The greens are smaller than the smallest green of Pebble, and they have the smallest greens on tour. So there you go. If you can make eagle on the par on the par four tenth like Mass Homa did, you're in a pretty good spot. Most guys are going to be, be laying up, praying to God they can land it on the green on their approach shot and make it for par going all the way out, out to the 15th. At that point, it's kind of a crapshoot. Only other two holes that I think you could possibly play, play well at the par three 16th and the par five 17th. I'm going to start, start with the 17th though. Long par five, long hitters can get there guarded by bunkers. Probably won't be able to get it there unless you're Bryson DeChambeau who, who isn't even in the field. Not a lot of Eagle chances, but if you could somehow get there in two at 548 yards, it's possible. Par three 16th. Probably the weirdest hole in golf, in my opinion. There's two greens to work with. From the tips to the farthest uh, green, it's 165 yards. That's going to happen on three days. First day pin location is going to be at the front green, which is ahead of a whole sling of uh, of bunkers. It's literally 100 yards. It's like Guys are going to be taking half-swing lob wedges uh, into this flat-ass green. So really, there's only three or four holes that I think that are really gettable on this course, and I'm going to stop talking at from here. Every hole is tough. Guys have to hit it straight. They have to be very strong around the green. If you're a long hitter, it certainly helps because this isn't necessarily a long golf course to a degree, but there is about seven or eight holes that you're playing uphill for the most part. So you're going to have to really give a lot of club to every single shot. Won't be a putting contest like we've seen at Kapalua or at, or at any of these other uh, – any of the other courses again the power greens suck no one likes them they're firm they're fast and they suck in the afternoons so the, that's what i'm looking at this week at riviera q out one of the most thorough analysis analyses analysis analysis analysi analysi one of the most thorough analysi we've ever had if not the most thorough thank you thank you yeah no good. i um it also helped that, that that about twenty minutes before the episode, I played a PGA Tour and I played played Riviera. So I <laughs> sort of. Um, do, you do, I think you, do you do that for every course? Because I've uh, heard the, you... ones, the, the ones that are available. Yes. Yeah, the ones that are okay. Because okay. I you've like, like, to me before. It's it, it's like a fun practice because I can kind of see how how guys approach it, and I think it's a fun little thing. But yeah, no, I, I think I think that's useful. John, I'm going to bring up a new topic here, a new uh, segment, as you will. We're going to use this this every so, now and then. We're going to call, it's called Horses for Courses. We always talk about the idea in betting. Who is the horse for the course? Who plays really well here? We're going to break it down into two categories. The Stallions, the guys who absolutely fucking dominate this place. And then the Ponies, the guys who are kind of there. But need a little need a little bit more. Who is the one guy, the Stallion of this golf course, who can absolutely dominate this place and you think will have a great week at Riviera? I think there's a number of guys, especially like when you, when you have all the top ten players in the world playing at this event. It's 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 really really tough. I, I'm looking at one guy for for a win or a top ten, but I'm gonna keep that in my back pocket for now. Um, but I'm gonna say Xander Shoffley, even though 
Um, he, he just played last week and he played very, very well. Um, he's played, he's, he's four for four in terms of cuts here, made the cut every single time. Um, he has four top 25s, including a ninth place finish. And I just think he always elevates his game and it doesn't matter what the course is. He could be a horse at any course because he always elevates his game year to year. And if you go, if you look at his performances at various courses, you'll, you'll see, okay, top 30. Okay. Top 25. Okay, top 15. Okay, now he's top five. And he just keeps elevating and elevating um, his game at all these various courses. And then obviously this is a big event, um, one that guys want to show up for and play play their best golf for. So I, I think I think that he's going to improve on that uh, that top nine finish, and we're going to see him somewhere in the top ten this weekend. There's a, there's a few stallions here, and they're all, I, it's sort of a crapshoot to say that uh, – not, not a crapshoot, but a, a bailout to say this, but – it's some of the guys who are the, who are, are the best the best on tour, um, but my my stallion here is Dustin Johnson. The guy's track record here has been ridiculous. He has nine top ten finishes over fourteen starts at this golf course in his last four years. Let me run through the numbers here. Has finished with a win in twenty seventeen, tied for ninth, tied for tenth, tied for eighth. He's been on absolute fire. The sample size going in this week hasn't been great. He's only played played in two events uh, so far. One of them being out in Saudi Arabia. But I do think that Dustin Johnson, the way he plays this course, he's he's a great ball striker. He's number three in the world um, in adjusted ball striking. Granted, again, again, he's only played eight rounds of golf so far this year, so he's technically low on the actual numbers itself. But adjusted to everybody else, he's ranked third in the world uh, in ball striking. Really good around the greens. He's a good putter. He plays well on POA. He's he's from South Carolina, so he knows those arid uh, and very like very warm weather climates. DJ is a home run player here as a stallion to this course. A couple other guys who I'm thinking of, Cameron Smith and Patrick Cantlay, as guys who I think can really play well here this week. I want to get, get your thoughts here. Who is a pony this week? Someone who is very good, not amazing, but has the ability to win, kind of kind of like how Max Homa did it last year. Yeah, yeah. I was I was actually going to say Max Homa. He was, he was going to be my pick, and it seemed a little too easy, obviously, because he – did that exactly what he did here uh, last year. It would have been a perfect to pick him as a pony last year, but I'm going to go with him again this year. Um, we've seen some some much better golf from recently. I believe he he racked up a top 30 this weekend, if not a top 35. He was around the area, and he was in it until the until that final day. He was toward, he was he was making his push toward the top 20, and he fluctuated around the leaderboard. Um, but like you said, there you know the, there's the the iron the typical iron players that we see that have success on all these strokes and approach courses. You know, they, this is not that that kind of course, um, and Max Holm is not that kind of player that's gonna um, win you a tournament uh, because of uh, his um, his iron playability. But he's a good ball striker. He has a good short game, um, and we saw that on display last year. I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't really think that he's going to uh, win this event, um, but he damn sure could could make a run to come top ten, top twenty, something like that, something like that. And as far as your Dustin Johnson pick, one thing I want to say. Um, boy, the the golf world needs Dustin Johnson to to please be again and win. Like that would that would that would just set the set the golf world on fire. I want it so badly. Um, I'm not gonna have Dustin Johnson in any of my pick, or maybe I shouldn't say maybe I will this week. I really don't have my pick solidified. I'm gonna kind of wing it this week. Um, but man, I'm waiting to pick Dustin Johnson to win an event. I just want to see him come back into the form that we had seen. He just needs to put together some 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 top tens. And I'll be convinced that the DJ that we know uh, and love from uh, 2020 and 2021 is back. 
My pony this week, I'm going to go with a guy like 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 Taylor Gooch, and we've been mentioning him every single week. He's been on fire. He has four top 10s, sorry, four top 11 finishes in, in the fall. He came back in the winter and has gone absolutely AWOL this week. Um, this past week finished 23rd at Phoenix, was all the way up to fourth at one point on Saturday. He played four over par yesterday, uh, on Sunday, which wasn't great, but at the same time, that doesn't even show how good he was the whole entire week. Um, he certainly could have played a little better. Taylor Gooch kind of ha- is, is starting to round into form and is turning into one of those golfers who can dominate courses pretty well. And I think Riviera fits him well. He's currently one of the better ball strikers on tour. He still has a little bit of room to grow. But around the green is really where he's shined. And with the and, and with the flat stick, especially on Poa, he's played really good here. So I think Gooch is a Gooch is a pony, and we're starting up the Gooch gang. It's going to be a, a okay. We we actually might become the official Taylor Gooch tracker. You know what we should the, do? Uh, you know what we should do, bro? We what? should be like you know those like fanboys that go to golf events and they'll wear they'll wear like ridiculous like stuff like the answer. Remember we saw we went to the Liberty yeah, National, yeah, we the saw answer. the answer gang and the answer had his whole gang. We're the we Gooch gang. We gotta be the Gooch gang. Yeah, exactly. And we'll we're, literally we'll print out shirts and we'll everything and we'll. We're make gonna be the, uh, the the Taylor Gooch tracker. I, I'm, I'm sure there is one. I think he has one. Twitter account. But we're going to be, be like the Gooch Gang Fan Patrol. I'm calling it now. The Fan Patrol. I like it. I like it. All right, John. One more break. Unless you have anything else. I got nothing, bro. One more break. We're coming back. We have prop bets from Pickup. Beer money from Kenwood. There was a lot of beer consumed at the 16th. I hope to God there was some Kenwood there. All I know <laughs> is that we have some money that you're going to be able to make this week and some bets that you will cash in. This is the Get in the Hole podcast. We got some good stuff coming up right ahead. Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week. And it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. We all know the traditional Big Four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey? Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already know. You already know. I think that's how it always goes. We went like 45 minutes and we were at like Chelsea. (laughs) What are we doing? (laughs) 
Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Robin's time. What's up? We're back. Third part of the show. We're an hour and seven in. We have some prop bets to go over. Brought to you by our friends over at Pickup. Be sure to sign up with your phone number and get betting. You can follow them on Twitter at, at PickupHQ and online at Play Pickup. We have five props here, John, that we're going to hop right into. We don't have a lot of time to go here. Quick things, quick little hitters, a lot of matchups, a lot of really fun stuff happening at Riviera. And we start with former champion from last year, Max Homa. Like I said, final scores have been anywhere from 12 under to 15 under for the most part. Haven't seen a score any higher than 17 since 2000. Will Max Homa finish top 10 or shoot 10 under par what's more likely Ooh, top 10 for sure because the, the the if he if he comes top 10 that means he could he could be nine under he could be eight under um i'm pulling up the leaderboard right now yeah there's the fifth Matsuyama was fifth place two years ago eight under DeShambo eight under you know so i think it's i think it's more likely that he could come top 10 and shoot 10 under for sure simply because that's basically asking um is he gonna shoot seven eight or nine under or is he gonna shoot 10 under exactly Former champions Bubba Watson and Adam Scott will lace up the golf shoes this week. We're going to go with a matchup here. Bubba versus Scott, the 2018 winner versus the 2019 winner, John. Who are you taking this week? I'm going to take Bubba, and the the reason being is the recent success, and I think most people would take Bubba for that reasoning. Um, Obviously, two guys who had success here in the past, you really can't distinguish that too much, really, um, to give one or the other the edge. Um, Bubba Watson really impressed. Um, uh, I was going to say last week on the show, but I, I forgot that he was—he's top ten in the money list at Fe- at the Phoenix Open, um, and he showed up. He, you know, wasn't was sort of a surprise, even though you kind of expect a guy like that who has repeat history, success, successful history at that course to show up. Um, but still, Bubba Watson—he's uh, getting up there in age. You don't really see him too much in the in the, in the final groupings on Sunday. Um, but he he was there and he he played he's played his butt off and I would expect him to do the same this weekend because he's on he's on a little bit of a hot streak right now. Third matchup here we're gonna go with two guys similar value currently on the sports books two guys who are matching up this week Joaquin Neiman and Will Zalatoris. I'm gonna have to go with ooh because you know those are two guys I like a lot yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Same um, age too, y- y- youngsters. I'm gonna go here. I'm gonna go with Zalatoris. He's had he obviously missed Pebble Beach, COVID, and whatnot. Um, but I think he's gonna come back rested and ready to go. Um, maybe a little bit amped up after seeing Scotty Sheffer get that first win. Um, you know, we know among the players that are due, Will Zalatoris is probably toward the top of the list. Um, I just think he might be a little fired up after seeing that and well rested. Um, so I will go with Willie Z. One of the best Poa putters in the field this week is Kevin Na. Someone who's who's consistently been in the top ten this this year. Uh, sorry, th- th- at this course, Kevin Na, seven under or better this week. Ooh, 
That's tough. Basically, basically we're sitting over under seven under. I'm gonna go on. Uh, I'm gonna go worse than seven under. Ooh, um, all right. Which I'm assuming would be under, but depends yeah. on how you, depends on how you look at it. We've had that discussion before. Again, um, hey, look at look. The, we have no idea how the putting putting contest is gonna go here. Seven under might my, my very well be guys in the twenties at this point. So who really yeah, knows yeah, yeah. You, where you, guys you, will wind up? Really don't have no idea. But I'll, I'll go. I'll go with under um, simply because it's a really high high. That's a really good score. Um, not that Kevin not can't reach that, but just the, it's way more likely that he doesn't than he does. Tony Finau has been sucking ass the last two weeks, and and, and I'm sort of saying that as an as a an understatement. He finished 40th and he missed the cut at the waste management. Did not play well at all at Pebble either. Will Tony Finau make the cut? He's played horrible at this yeah. course in the past. It's 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 tough because like I think I I believe I said this on the show last week. I might have said this about another player, but definitely also about Tony Finau. Um, when it came down to the farmer's insurance, you know, he was like kind of a lock to come at the worst, you know, top 25, top 20, something like that. Um, he didn't even come close to that. He, he's been struggling. Yeah, he's been struggling at courses that you you think that he's had success in the past. He's going to have success again this year. So obviously, like I said last week, something's up. Don't know what it is. Um, but I also don't like the fact that he's playing all these events consecutively, um, not getting enough of a break. Um, what was the question? What was the question again? Will, will Tony <laughs> will, make, will the make the cut? Following uh, two straight uh, events of missing the, the, the cut. The thing about it is, after all, after hearing me say all that, you're probably like, "Oh, he's probably going to miss the cut." But I just think he's too good of a player. Ah, but this field is really good. I'll still say he misses the cut only because the field is just as good of a player as as he is. It kind of evens out, so I'll say he misses. We're not going to add this prop in because because it's a lot to analyze. But Tiger Woods is obviously the the um, the host of this event year in and year out. This is his event as well as uh, the Hero World Challenge, which is obviously his big thing. The Tigers the Tigers on the trophy. But at Riviera, he will be making an appearance and showing out this week. And I want to get your take over under three and a half appearances on TV for Tiger on Sunday. Obviously, he'll be waltzing around with the trophy, taking a photo with the winner. Like that. Way over, way over. Like oh, really? far, far over. Yeah. I'm gonna say he, he hits four pretty easily. Um so figure one at least once in the beginning. Um well wait, this is just on Sunday you're saying, right? Yeah, only on Sunday. Okay, so okay. yeah, pro- probably in so, like the as, as soon as they start the live coverage on Sunday when it switches over to CBS or whatever, whatever it's on, um, they're gonna show him for sure without a doubt. With near the trophy or whatnot, something like that. They're gonna probably have him on for an interview potentially. Um, they're also probably gonna pan to him at some point during the tournament, and then at the very end, there's four right there. So I will go with over. I like this, that prop. This, this is very much one of those um, like, like a Super Bowl props of like, oh, who appears on TV first? Is it gonna be uh, <laughs> this, this head coach or this head coach? I remember betting that with uh, Last year's Super Bowl was like Andy. Uh, it, it was like minus one ten for Andy Reid, like plus one twenty for Bruce Arians. Like, 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 which quarterback is going to show up first, or um, which tight end? Because was yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll throw a, a Tiger prop bet in there as well. <laughs> Final thing of the evening, probably the best thing that, that we have going for us. I currently lead this year fourteen to twelve in terms of correct picks. It's time for our beer money selections of the week. Brought to you by our good friends over at Kenwood Beer, the official light beer of the Get in the Hole podcast, Underground Sports Philadelphia, and Philadelphia's number one light beer. Go ahead, get some Kenny's, strap in, let's go. Top 20, John, at the Riviera. Top 20 for top 20 finish this week, Steve-O. 
I am going to go with my man, Willie Z. Um, and the reason that you might be saying, oh, that's that's a little bit high up there. Um, uh, he's kind of a little bit favored. But I'm saying with the COVID layoff, well, I do think it helps him. Um, it's going to take him a second to get his legs back under him, uh, competing in, in such a high-profile event. Um, and I, I also believe that he's he's really itching. Like I know I said this before, but I really do believe that this man is itching, itching, itching to get a win. I don't know if he's going to get it this week, um, but I believe he's going to come close. He's an all-around player. The putting is what does concern me here. Um, and that's the reason why I think it's he's more of a top 20 player than anything else. Um, and I will have, I will provide more value in my later picks as well. So I will also have plenty else. of value in my later picks, but I'm going to ride the hot wave here. I'm taking Sahith Tagala for, for a top 20. He was my he was my he was my second guy. I was thinking I was thinking about it, and I was yeah, just like, mm. this isn't a course that, that, that totally fits him. Then again, Scottsdale also also didn't really fit him. So honestly, the, throwing fire to the rain at this point, you might as well see. Uh, See what you can do. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go Thagala here. I think he's riding a hot hand. He's played against the best already. Why can't he do it again this week? I think he has sort of that uh, Wolves Altors mentality following the Masters that he had, where he could certainly be uh, a factor in weeks to come. Give me your top 10, Johnny boy. My top 10 is going to be Matthew Fitzpatrick. We talked about him earlier in the show. Um, a man is not well-liked amongst the two of us. However, there's not, there's not much to hate on when it comes to his golf game uh, at the moment. He's on fire if we're, if we're being if we're being honest. Um, and he, we, I know he doesn't have a PGA Tour win. He's a lot of wins over on the European Tour, um, but but he's he's racking up really really good finishes so far this year. And he's put piecing together a nice stretch of golf right now. Um, he came tied for fifth last season here at the Genesis Invitational. Um, I would expect some of the same, given that we've seen some pretty good golf out of him. Recently. You know, I, I was going to take him here, but I just hate him too much to yeah. do it. <laughs> Um, also, I want to try and get, try and get the lead on you even further in case he does screw up. I'm going to go with Cameron Smith for a top ten. We haven't seen him very much uh, in the last few weeks. We saw him obviously break the on uh, the record at, at Kapalua at 34 under. Saw him at the Sony Open, played all right. Did wasn't anything uh, to, to write home about. Obviously, um, he left the flat stick on uh, on Oahu and not and, and not in Honolulu. Sorry, Maui, but. I dropped a nugget of, of info earlier uh, in the show. Riviera is a lot like Augusta. The greens are different, but the, the the way it's designed is very similar. It really tests the golfers every single move. They the best way that I heard it described was um, like colleges. You, know, you 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 have the Ivy League, and then you have like the private Ivies, like the Stanfords of the world, mm. that are like almost as elite but aren't regarded as that. Riviera is the private Ivy to Augusta. It's one of those courses that, that challenges you in every facet. A lot of guys who win at Riviera also win at the Masters. Like I said, 10 of the last 20 winners at, at 10 of the last 20 winners have won both Augusta and the Genesis. Cameron Smith here was a runner-up at uh, at the Masters a couple of years ago. Finished fifth when Dustin Johnson won it. He's a pair of top 10s at, at this golf course as well. Again, haven't seen very much of him, but he has four top 15s over five events. And he finished tie for fourth at the Saudi. Took a week off this past week to get his boots ready on the ground. He's ready to roll at the at Riviera for a top ten. John, who's your top five? My top five. This one's this one's really really simple for me. I see a ton of value in Victor Hovland this week. Um, he's shown us early this year um, that he's playing 
with the best of the best, and he's uh, he's 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 a lot better than the sports books are rating him at this moment. Comparing him to the field, he should he should be way way higher toward the top. Um, and it's just it's too good not to take advantage of of, of where he's at. Um, and I say it all the time. I feel like I'm a broken record. Um, but Victor Hovland is the most all around well rounded player, all around player on tour right now and for the foreseeable future. And like you said, Steve, this is a course that kind of challenges a lot of different parts of a player's game. And I don't really see Victor Hovland's weaknesses being exposed as much as other players this weekend. Um, so I'm, I'm going to take Victor Hovland for a top five, and I'm not going to look back. Despite missing the cut this past week at the Waste Management, a lot of that did come from jet lag. Played really well in Saudi Arabia. Mm. I really want to take Colin Morikawa here because he's so good. But I'm, I'm going to agree with you on Victor Hovland. There's... There's something to be said about a guy who, and, and I've said this since since the 2020, 2020 Masters in November, no one has more poise when in tough situations than Victor Hovland. If there is a stat for up and downs, which, which, which I'm sure there is, Victor Hovland's probably top of the list. While Colin Morikawa is probably the best ball striker in golf next to JT, Morikawa, and th- this is the numbers that I gave, he's finished 62nd and 18th in his last two starts overseas. He has one. He's one of the best in the world. He's eighth in. in uh, he's eighth in around the greens and fourth in ball striking. But Victor Hovland is simply too good to be true right now. I'm going to take Hovland for a big top five here. He's really going to cash out. Sportsbooks have him rated super low. He's plus twenty two hundred to win. I think. He, I think he certainly could be a play here to win as well. It's just that the 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 number is too good here for me for me to not take Hovland. Give me your gimme, John. So my gimme, uh, the guy who is going to dominate and win you automatic money. Automatic money, my man. So I'm taking a little bit of a different approach here this weekend, and I'm going to fade a particular player, player you just mentioned. And that was between two guys. I was between Dustin Johnson, and I was between Colin Morikawa. Um, can you guess which one I picked? Colin. I did pick Colin Morikawa. Um, he it doesn't have a good track record at this event. Um, his putting hasn't been up to par lately. Um, we've seen a lot. What's that? His putting hasn't been up to par. <laughs> I didn't realize. Joke I didn't, there. Tell you what, I didn't even realize that I was I was making that joke. But I'm just that funny. I'm funny without trying. Um, but yeah, I, I would even feel comfortable with 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 having him come outside of the top to the twenty. Obviously, if I'm having to come outside the top ten, um, might be a little bit risky. But I, I would I would still say that even though he's he's a really good player, um, and I know he he has an affinity for this course. He, he said that he's liked this course. Um, but his track record really hasn't backed it up. Wouldn't surprise me to see him in the running this weekend. Um, I just don't see it happening. So I'm going to go with Morikawa outside of that. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely agree with the assessment here. We love giving our gimmies and, and, and picking out top 20s and top 10s. I'm mm-hmm. going all in this week. Uh, there, yeah. th- th- this field is way too good to not have it. I have Taylor Gooch listed for a top 20. I think he'll certainly hit, 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 he'll, he'll, he will hit the mark there. I'm going to take Colin for a top 15 this week. I think he'll certainly get there, but again, the performance hasn't been good. My gimme, though, is Patrick Cantlay for a top five. Mm. There is no better golfer on the fucking planet than Patrick Cantlay right now. And I believe it was uh, Brian Harrig on, or Bob Harrig on ESPN who said it, as well as, as a couple of other guys, that we that we might need to see a shakeup at the top of the official world golf rankings. John Rahm has been really good. Patrick Cantley has been on a different planet recently. And j- just simple numbers here. Overall complete game. He, he, he's better than Rahm in every single category currently. 
so far on tour this year, including performances that, that Rom had overseas. He he hasn't been great in the big moments. Obviously, lost to Scheffler, couldn't come couldn't come off clutch at the American Express late in the tournament, gave it up to Tom Hoagie. I'm sorry, sorry. Well, yes, Hoagie finished uh, as the runner up, but I think his game is so complete that you almost can't take him for a top five at, at this point. It's kind of like Xander Schauffele in majors. You, he's it's kind of like a lock for a top five. It'll always come. I don't think he's going to win because my winning pick is just a money play here, and it's and it's ludicrous how he's rated so low in the sports books. But Patrick Henley for a top five, the money's there plus eight hundred. I'm going to ride it to the bank. Interesting, interesting. I think um, the one thing I will say that I love that you brought up is it's it's really not out of the question. It's not you know crazy to say that you know to call for maybe potential shakeup of the official world golf ranking sometime soon. Um, I would say it's a little too early jumping on, but it's, but it's hard as just bringing up um, like that, that conversation. It, it really isn't out of the question at all. In fact, it's a very valid question to be, be brought up. Um, well, well, like to, to, total sidebar to our picks here. I mean, mm-hmm. re- realistically, if you're looking at every performance and even just looking at the current uh, world golf rankings, as of literally uh, today, where I made, uh, I literally made the graphic for it, so I, so I could pull it up right here. Looking at it right now, Rom number one, Morikawa number two. Morikawa's been asked the last two weeks playing <laughs> in Saudi Arabia. Cantley's been so good. I don't know how he doesn't, how he hasn't jumped, how he hasn't jumped, jumped up to two. Hoblin mm-hmm. moved back to four. Cantley moved up to three with a with a good week. Mm-hmm. Rory moved up because DJ didn't play, so Rory's at five. DJ at six. Shawfley jumped Thomas seven and eight. Scotty Scheffler jumped over Bryson. Bryson moved back to 11. First time he's out in, in two years. Scheffler's at 9 and Montana was at 10. I could very well see as of right now if if at the end of this week, if Cantlay has a better week than Rom, maybe you put Rom 2 and Cantlay 1 if, if, he, if, if he plays really well. Obviously, a, a win is really going to solidify that, but maybe Rom 1, Cantlay 2, Morikawa 4 if Hovland plays really well. I think like you, you, th- th- there might need a shakeup. I know it's tough to dethrone the number one without a win. It's still it's still a little early. It's very very early, and there's a there's body of works that are already there. But you know, yeah, yeah I, I agree. Cantley's putting together um, uh, tr- a track record of success that's kind of uh, I don't want to say unparalleled, but amongst the 2021 results that we've seen, you know, we haven't really seen anybody touching him yet. You know, exactly. Back to the beer money, John. Give me your winner. Yeah, my winner this weekend is none other than my man Patrick Cantley. You knew it was coming. Um, was the reason, I wasn't. I wasn't. I was originally not going to pick him, but then I. Th- I the more I thought about it, um, and especially when I, I heard you talking about the course, and I was like, you know what? I don't see this dude really letting anybody catch up to him this weekend. And the reason is, I, I, I just. He's obviously at the top of his game. Nobody's better. We could we could sit here and talk about that uh, until the, the sun rises in the morning. Um, but the, the the thing that separates Patrick Hanley at this particular course is that it's going to expose a lot of players' weaknesses. But in addition to that, I just don't see the other players having an opportunity to catch Cantley. Like the reason he didn't win this weekend is because the – TBC Scottsdale obviously is allowing room for elite ball strikers and whatnot to come back, to come back and and, and then gain strokes here, gain strokes there. I don't see them having that opportunity this weekend. And I, I just, I just don't see 
the only other player who I, I could see maybe gaining as many strokes um, this weekend is Victor Hovland. But I just don't think that those players like a Taylor Gooch, those players um, like Thigala, all, all those guys who who are, who are coming who are coming and, and nipping on the heels of these guys who are leading on, on, on after 36 holes, I don't think that they're going to have the opportunity to gain the strokes that they're going to gain on some other courses this weekend. Um, just because this isn't a course that really fits too many guys' play styles. And Patrick Cantley is a guy who dominates is or is dominating anywhere right now. He's going he's gonna to be playing well anywhere. And I think this is going to be one of those weeks where obviously he's going to put together a, a lot of rounds under par and where that might be not be good enough to get a win at another course, but it'll be good enough for a top 10. I think it's going to be good enough for a win this week because I just don't see the guys gaining as many strokes as they can. I, I, I totally agree with you. I think that, that Cantlay is so good, and it's impossible for me to not consider him in that area just because, like, again, the, the overall game he plays, and I, you could argue that, that, that Riviera is the most strategy golf that you're going to get outside of the majors because obviously the majors, the majors, the majors yeah. always are challenging. But Riviera is, like, the, is if I, if I to give you a list, it would be Augusta, Riviera, and, and Sawgrass, those three courses that – require you to have strategy golf the whole way through. You can't be laissez-faire in your approach. You can't swing driver all day long. You got to be smart. You're going to have maybe you, you very well m- might be swinging three wood probably on six, seven holes. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, just, 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 just to be safe and aggressive, aggressive play doesn't necessarily help you here. You got to be smart. You got to be able to work it, but I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going can't lay here for the win. Obviously give him for a top five. I'm going to go with the guy who you want to take. And the guy who I hope to God gets back to that one spot, it's Dustin fucking Johnson. <laughs> I've never, never seen a guy dominate a course like Dustin Johnson at Riviera. It's scary. Mm-hmm. Like I said, and I'm just going to run him through. Last four years, win, ninth, tenth, eighth, nine top tens and 14 starts. Again, two weeks we've only seen him this year. Played one week. Uh, at Torrey Pines a few weeks ago for the Farmers Insurance, then went to Saudi Arabia and finished tied tied for eighth in a really tough condition area, really hard wins, a challenging course. He gained 8.3 strokes tee to green at Torrey Pines. The average player over the PGA Tour season, and particularly there, 6.1. He's gained two strokes over the field. His putter let him down. He he was he was losing two strokes. Putting is neutralized here. Like I mentioned, you don't really have to worry too much about it. Dustin Johnson is probably the best veteran golfer um, out of anybody in this field, except for John Rahm. Cantlay, I think, is still at, at that like younger point where he's like now breaking out, even even to, like to, like that like mm-hmm. that like elite level. Yeah. But you want to talk about like the there's the horse for the course, which is Cantlay. There's the thoroughbred horse, which 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 will always win is Rom. And then, then it's the stallion. It's 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 Rocky Balboa level, like the number one guy, Dustin Johnson. There's there's simply no way around it. The guy won the Masters in 2020. It's the same conditions here that it, that that he had there. I don't see a way Dustin Johnson. I think the same way you mentioned Cantlay. I think Johnson can get off to a good enough lead on day one that he might he, he might go wire to wire. I I, I yeah. can see it. I can mm-hmm. so see him go four four or five under par. On day one, go three under on day two, have a giant leap on day three, and honestly skirt away at like even par golf on round four. At the end of the day, it comes down to, it comes down to up and 
up and downs. Number one currently in adjusted strokes gain tee to green. Number three in ball striking. Number four on approach. Number five around the green. And I finally looked it up. There is stats for up and downs. He's the number one golfer over the last seven seasons in up and downs on the PGA Tour. Mm. Second is Hovland. Oh. So to answer, to answer, the question, answer the question from earlier. Justin Johnson's my winner this week, and the odds are way too good. How he's ranked as the sixth best golfer in this field is beyond me. Yeah, I, I was going to say Victor Hovland and Dustin Johnson are the two guys I'd be worried about if I was Cantley. And the two guys I'm worried about uh, uh, him stealing a win away um, potentially this weekend. Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset if Dustin Johnson won by any means. I would probably be the happiest person on the face of the earth if he won this weekend. I'm really, really looking forward to him getting back to form, hopefully sooner than later, hopefully even this weekend. You know, I, um, I, I was thinking about this, and uh, I had a dream last night dancing in my head. When, to, when thinking about this episode and thinking about the, uh, the landscape here, mm-hmm. how amazing would it be to see a three-way playoff on Sunday afternoon Rom, DJ, Cantlay. Three best golfers in the world, top of the board, just going at it constantly on that 18th hole, uphill, long par four, impossible to birdie, had the least birdies at any par four over the last 10 years at Riviera. I feel like Justin Ray throwing out numbers at this point. That would be amazing. Yeah. amazing. I think, I really do think we're going for some entertaining golf this weekend, but if that does happen... That would that might beat out the week of golf we just have, and it seems like for for the past almost two seasons, season and a half at the very least, we've been having the the previous week be better than the last week, and then the next week be better than that week, and it just it just keeps it keeps on getting better and better for golf fans. And if those three are in it to win it this weekend, and in some of those final groupings on the weekend, it's going to be a fun fun weekend. Again, I, I cannot stress this I cannot stress this enough. And it started this week with uh with Scottsdale. This is the best stretch of golf that you're gonna see possibly out of the entire year. Cause you now have you you at Scottsdale, you're playing here, you're going to the Valero, you're gonna go play at play the Valspar, you're gonna go play the players. Next thing you know, it's Augusta. Like these like and then of course Bay Hill. You're mm-hmm. gonna have some incredible courses. You don't see it a lot at the dog days of the year, because then you're going to play like the 3M and the Barbasol and the John mm-hmm. Deere. Good stuff, not wild fields. You're going to see the best of the best for the next month and a half. And I think this course is going to be the one that's going to really determine guys going into Augusta, who's going to dominate. And so you're going to hear it in the first week of April. The guys who dominate this leaderboard are going to be the guys that I'm picking. For, that I'm going to be picking at Augusta straight up. Damn. So there you have it. Folks, that's all. We've given you we've given you everything, every nugget of information. We broke down the course. We talked about Scottsdale, talked about the 16th, the growth of the game, talked about our beer money picks and our prop bets of the week. We have to go and watch probably one of the best rounds of golf that you're going to watch. Tune in this week, PGA Tour Live, for one of the best tournaments of the year, the Genesis Invitational at the historic Riviera Country Club in the Hollywood Hills. For the Getting the Whole Podcast, I'm Stephen McAvoy. That's Tom Avalia. We'll be back here next week to break it all down for you. Let's go, DJ. Let's go, Cantlay. Give me that playoff we all wanted. John, your final word. My final word? Something. Sunday. 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 Thank you for listening to the Getting the Whole Podcast. 
a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Get In The Whole Pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Shout out to our sponsors over at Tomahawk Shades and Stateside Vodka for all their support in making Underground Sports your go-to place for all things sports. The Get In The Whole Podcast, hosted by Stephen McAvoy and John Mavalia, releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. See you next time. Get in the hole!